0: Okay, Luke chapter 14, the words of Jesus, the stories of Jesus, our series now for many months. We're going to read a good chunk of this chapter and we'll talk about it a little bit, so let's start in verse 1 as you follow along in Luke chapter 14. Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees, to, and say they scrutinized him, that they watched him closely. Another translation would say, and behold, they scrutinized him. Where they were waiting for him to make a mistake. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answered, saying to the lawyers and Pharisees, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out? On the Sabbath day. and they could not answer him regarding these things. So he told them a parable to those who were invited. and we note, and when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, "When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, be invited in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you, and he who came will shame you, give place to this man, and then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, friend, go up higher. Then you'll have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he said to him who invited him When you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the table with him. He heard these things, he said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go, go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to the master then the master of the house being angry said to a servant go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed the lame and the blind and the servant said master it is done as you commanded and still there is room then the master come that my house may be filled i say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father or his mother, his wife, children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he shall have enough to finish it? Lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and he was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him, with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends you, does not forsake all, that he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its flavor, now shall it be seasoned. It is neither fit for the land, nor the dunghill, or as fertilizer, but men throw it out. And of course, this last line for us this morning, he who has ears to hear, let him. That's a big passage, right? I thought I'd read the whole chapter. Hopefully no one's upset that we were reading the Bible. Um, That obviously is most important rather than the comment on the Bible. It's the Bible itself. Amen. And I bet you God probably could have spoken and probably did to some of you in a way that I never will. Just a few thoughts. I was thinking and talking to Amy about this passage it becomes abundantly clear that the thought invited or being invited is a theme that runs through the whole chapter. We see that when you invite someone, when you're invited to a wedding, that we are supposed to give invitations, right? And this constant theme appears of invitation. I really like being invited places. Obviously weddings are a joy to be invited to, aren't they? You know that you're going to be eating a lot of food and not paying. (laughs) And for my family, that's the ultimate bonus, so. You think that, you say that. Yeah, okay, well, I just said it, so. Now, if you don't invite me to your wedding, I know why, because you think I'm a cheapskate, but anyways. (laughs) Uh, Even in being invited to special things like graduations, sometimes there's limited tickets or if a friend asks you to a play or a sporting event, an honor to be, carries a wonderful thought. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, it's neat. I feel privileged and honored to be invited. And one of the things as a teacher and a preacher, when those select few times that you get invited to teach or preach somewhere else, it's special because you... You have this sense that oh I might have something to say and and God is behind this but I think we all feel honored and blessed when we are invited somewhere and even if it's just fellowship a friend says hey you want to come over tonight and hang out and you feel like you're wanted right and someone wants me in their home and there's something really really special about that and there's something I'm learning more and more and I have a couple of friends in my life who continually are, are telling me that Jesus is always inviting us. That is his character. He's always inviting us, and we see, obviously in this, He's inviting us to uh, the great wedding feast, right? His wedding, Asian. Jesus is always inviting us into his character of humility and grace. He's inviting us into a deeper walk with him, right? We always see this invitation. It's never by force. He's not like making you do anything, but he is such a gentleman and such a wonderful God and one that we want to pursue because he's always making us feel loved and wanted and saying, come. And I think some of us in our religious experience don't really maybe see God that way, Jesus as that way, as an inviter, but someone who's demanding, and someone who's angry, and someone says, you need to do it that way. And I think that's the wrong perspective. And as we're learning, maybe in, in, in our home groups, the wrong narrative, the wrong story that we've created from who Christ is, that he's this demanding God. And even I look, leaving all to follow Christ, and when he says, you know, you need to, to let go of family and Uh, parents and children and spouse it's not the word hate but you have to love me of intimacy because he's inviting us into this deeper place of intimacy where he takes priority and he can lavish us continually in that honor in that love in that grace because you look at these words at the end and they're they're really difficult you know what is he saying I'm not supposed to be a good dad and a good husband. What is he saying? I'm not supposed to provide for my family. And I don't think he's saying that at all. He's saying that your love for him has to far surpass your love for your spouse or your children. And I think that can be extremely difficult because we find our identity in our family, in our career, and we, and we see those are the things I need because that's where I get my love. But God is saying, no, my love, come to me. Enjoy me. I live in you. I'm inviting you to allow my character to flow through you. That's not really kind of what I wanted to say, but I think that's good and we could stop there and eat, amen? <laughs> I do think that's really good. And if we just thought of those words, and when you're struggling to realize that Jesus is always inviting you to himself and into you, into to who he is and to be like him and to fellowship with him and to lay everything aside and be his disciple, that's an amazing word just there and really encouraging. But I do want to take it a step further because I think we've been talking about those things. And I want to say this morning in the chapter, but expressly in those first five verses this morning that there is an invitation for you to join Jesus in ministry. There is an invitation from Jesus not only to be his disciple, but to do his work with you. And you have a purpose morning, to do what he wants to do. And you look at these first verses and we don't see the word invitation like we do in verse 8 and the next story where we see invite, invite, invite. But he goes to this house of this, this Pharisee and they've probably put this sick man there, this man with dropsy. And basically what that is, that the fluid increases in the tissue. It could be anywhere in the the body. So this man did not look normal. That's what you have to know. This man was very sick. And here, why would he be in a Pharisee's or a scribe's house? It's not the people they hung out with. They were trying to trip up Jesus. Like, what's he going to do? Because they knew he had a heart of compassion for the broken And the hurt. They knew that. That's who he was. He had a heart of compassion. And so they knew if he saw someone, he was going to help them. That's just our God. Isn't that amazing in itself? So, okay, let's bring Jesus in, have him over. But let's bring this guy who's deformed and looks awful. And see what Jesus does. Because it's the Sabbath day. And if he actually shows a heart of compassion, of love, for this guy, we got him. Because our man-made rules say, you can't do any work. And by the way, this story, the theme of this story, happens again and again in the gospel, whether it's the man with the withered hand, whether it's the woman. And in other places it says, the head of the synagogue was furious. Furious with Christ for healing on the Sabbath, and says to him, Don't you know there's six days to work and on the broken? So Jesus, in his perfect wisdom, sees the broken man, but he knows their heart and he invites them into change to join him to minister to the broken. And he asked them this question, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Listen, boys, this is your chance to join me or to get stuck in your tradition, to get stuck in your man-made rules, to get stuck in your fear. They kept silent. They didn't take the invitation. They didn't take the invitation to join Jesus, to see the broken, to touch the broken, to heal the broken. They kept silent. But Jesus, in his grace and his goodness, took this man and he healed him. And he let him go. Because it wasn't about the man anymore. It was about the Pharisees. And it was about their heart that didn't want to enter into ministry with Christ. And he asks them this question, as I read before, which of you having a donkey or an ox that's fallen into the pit will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? I find this very fascinating, and I was thinking, yeah, if something bad happens at their rule, they're going to say, well, that's an emergency, right? And i got to deal with that, right? But it's interesting when you look back and you cross-reference this verse into the Old Testament, into Deuteronomy and Exodus, what it's written there is, if your friend has a donkey or an ox that is under burden, would you not help your friend? But Jesus says, wouldn't you do it for yourself? But the Old Testament says, wouldn't you do it to help someone else? To help their but he takes it to the base thing. You'd be willing to help yourself. But look at Jesus. He's not thinking of himself. He's thinking of the man with dropsy. And his point is, why don't you join me in helping others with the truth and the healing of who I am? And that's the invitation to you and to me. But there's some things that stop us at times from truly taking that invitation to go with Christ to help the broken, the the maimed, the blind. And at times it's very easy to help when we know we're going to get helped back. But Jesus wants to take us a step further this morning. And he wants to invite you and say to you, are you willing to come with? to let go of what you want and thinking of how you can help, how you can be repaid to help someone who can't do it themselves. What was the, the Pharisees thinking? I was thinking that why were they just so nasty? Have you ever thought of that? Why was it so much about the rules to them? You know, we would call it legalism or whatever. But why was it like, you can't do this on this day? It couldn't be about the rules. What made them want to think everything was about the rules? Well, I thought about that. Amy and I were stacking wood, bantering back and forth, thinking yesterday, what is this, what is this about? Why is it so much the rules and breaking the rules, these man-made rules? And I was thinking throughout the day, just many different things. Thinking about a book I'm reading, but oftentimes we like rules because they give us control, right? Well, if I do the right thing, And then what makes us want to have control? It's interesting, in my journey with people, I talk and I'm like, what's the issue in your life? And numerous times And it happened about a month ago. I had someone come to me and like, you got to pray for me because I want to control everything in my life. And the thing is, if I can control it by saying, this is what I have to do. And if I do this, I get this, I feel much better. See, that's the Pharisees. But why do we want control? Well, usually when people want control, It's because there's fear. There's fear of something. And so how do I get rid of my fear? I take control so I can do it myself. And this is a real thing in my life. I try to control things I'm afraid of. What are the Pharisees afraid of? I think the Pharisees are afraid of losing their power and their position and their finances and their selfishness. They wanted to be in charge. And all of a sudden, they're not in charge when Jesus comes and says, so what do I do? I'm really afraid now. So I try and control the situation by rules and say to him, you can't do that. You could do that. You can't do that. You can do that. And all of a sudden, Jesus comes like, listen, I'm just seeing a broken person. Right? Do you want to join me and let go of your man-made rules and your control, right? But really, it's letting go of your fear because you can trust me. And I say all that to say this. Are you trying to control God in your life? Because I really believe Jesus is inviting you. You're afraid of losing something. But maybe you're trying to control because you're afraid of losing something. What would you be afraid of losing? Well, that's why this chapter is wonderful. Are you afraid of losing family relationships? Brothers, sisters, spouse, children? And here's the kicker. Are you afraid of losing your own life? What you want? What makes you feel good? Your pleasures? Because that's what Jesus is saying to us today. Because a lot of times that's what we don't want to lose. And that fear drives us to control those things. And then we get just really whacked out, unfruitful, (laughs) weird. And we do things that we don't want to do. My disciple, come into ministry. You can trust me if you let go if you let go and trust me you let go of your fear and stop making your own silly rules and stop trying to control things and stop trying to be in charge because you're afraid but you will trust me and my love if you trust me and my love and be my disciple. And come with me. You will minister to the broken in a way that you never have before. He says you gotta count the cost. Are you truly willing? Sometimes Jesus' words are hard, but they're really great. Today, are you let ready? Willing to let go, to trust him. And not what you think or you feel or your tradition. And simply say, I'm going to trust you. I just, I don't know if this is making sense to you. (laughs) Like it makes sense to me, but I feel like I'm not connecting this morning. Just to be honest. But I just really believe there's people who are trying to control their life that God's saying, you got to let go. And all you can see is fear and pain if you truly trust him and he's inviting you to come to him. And he's inviting you to let go of the way you think you should do it to protect yourself. And he's saying, come to me. Let go. Follow me and give me the things that are making who you are today. I'll give you an example. Abraham had a great blessing that he waited for a long time. And it was his son, right? It was his son, Isaac, and he waited a long time. And it was a miracle of God. And he probably prayed and prayed and prayed. And finally, this little one, his wife couldn't believe it. And it caused her to laugh. But here's this little one now, this promise of God, this miracle child because Sarah was barren. And God has the audacity to say to Abraham, it actually says to test Abraham by saying, I want you to give me your child to sacrifice Isaac. And even the thought of that really bothers me, right? But there's something much deeper that's going on. And we have to understand that. That I don't doubt that Abraham, in many ways, would think his completeness as his person, his life was all about being this father of many generations. And here was the answer. Probably loved him so much. And so, those words of God to say, I want Isaac. And there goes Abraham up that mountain. And I wonder what he was thinking. His faith was absolutely incredible. And we see in Hebrews, he was thinking, even if he dies and he's the sacrifice, God's going to resurrect him. Like his faith was absolutely incredible. But what I find so amazing is to Abraham, God was the most important. And he could let go of his fear and his control to simply obey. To simply obey. And in faith, he trusted God so much, if I give this to you, in your invitation to obey, you will give it and and obey God's invitation to take those things that control you and let them go, that God is faithful enough as you trust him to give you the desires of your heart. I've got news for you. An old English speaker said this. Abraham and Isaac came back down the mountain together. He went up as God being the priority and obedience being his life, his faith trusting God, he obeyed the invitation and he was given his son in a way back down the hill that we would never explain. Let go of your fear and stop trying to control your life because God has what's best in mind for you. We lose our flavor when we try to control it and get the things we want. That's when salt loses its flavor. That's what he's saying at the end. When you're distracted by your family, trying to get love from them or your job or protect yourself and not fully trust him, you lose the flavor that God wants to use you in. He wants you to be salt. He wants you to bring flavor. But you have to trust him and let go. And you let go. He uses you. Yeah. He uses you to heal people with dropsy. It's not the healing. It's the fact the miraculous work is done by me joining Christ and letting go of myself. Otherwise, we're not even word fertilizer. Our lives are just this circle of us trying to be in charge. And it gets morning. Will you trust me? Will you join me? Will you be like me? Will you give the invitation? That's what you're giving, the invitation. Come to my God that you can trust Here's the invitation calling you. Come to the God you can trust. He's in my life. Come to the banquet. And by the way, you're going to be rejected. <laughs> I'm busy. I got to do this, I got to do that. So, what did the master say? Keep going. <laughs> Keep going. But today, would you accept his invitation to join him in ministry and to let go of control and the and, and protecting yourself in the things that think bring you love. And let him change your life. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're an inviting God. It's amazing that you continually invite us. Who are we? And yet you want to work with us. And you want to care for us. Maybe there's someone in this room who really is struggling with fear. Fear of losing things. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's become rules and control for you in your own way. I don't know what that looks like for you. But you need to respond to the Lord and accept his, his love again and, and learn to trust him and I don't know what it could be this morning. It could be anything. It could be financial. It could be your children, your spouse. But you can trust God. He wants to use you. If that's you this morning, help me. Help me to trust you more. Confession is so good in our hearts. And, but maybe you need to confess that to someone else. Maybe today give someone a call. Or Not about making a scene here. Or maybe in the agape, just... Yeah. Bring that in the light and allow the Lord just to... Love you through other people. I so desire in my life, in this body, to see the miraculous work of God in salvation, in emotional healings, in physical healings, but even more than that, love relationships with God begun. Oh God, would you help us as a church not to be about man-made things to control them, but to see the burden and the hurting. To trust you. To see you work. If you don't know Jesus this morning, maybe this is all new to you. Maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you go to church, but you truly never accepted his love. I would say this morning, you have a God who loves you so much, he came to this world, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for your sin. But as you believe in him and trust in him, he gives you his righteousness. Do you believe in him? Have you experienced that? The joy of knowing you're forgiven. He loves you so much. He's inviting you to his banquet. Maybe you've made excuses all these years. Maybe, yeah, work or family or just your own selfishness that you think you can do it yourself. He's given you an invitation this morning come, come to me. We pray that if that's you, that you would just call out to God and believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus came and died again and you will be saved. The elements are in the back. We're going to celebrate Jesus and his greatness and his love and his forgiveness and his character this morning. Here at Northgate, we love to always bring it back to Christ. He is the cornerstone, who He is and what He's done. It's a great time, though, just to give all these thoughts to Him and see that you're forgiven. So, quietly and respectfully, as the worship team will be singing, You Can Get the Elements and Come Back to Your Seat, it's a precious time of worship. It's a precious time to confess and see that you're forgiven. If you need prayer, there'll be brothers and sisters in the back. Maybe you really need to confess something God's in your heart. Maybe you need to be encouraged. Maybe pray Jesus together now.